Welcome to Living Freely Podcast, where our mission is to provide you with down-to-earth topics on mental wellness and realistic tips for living life more balanced and achieving optimal mental health. Living Freely is brought to you by Norfolk Public Libraries in Virginia and hosted by myself, Rachel Ann Dine, licensed professional counselor and passionate about providing you with strategies and up-to-date information on mental health. Join in weekly for a brand new episode of Living Freely, helping you live well and be well one podcast episode at a time. Hi, and welcome back to Living Freely Podcast. I'm so glad that you're here. I hope that you're having a wonderful week and able to deal with whatever has been thrown your way. Today, I'm talking about something. It may help you, especially if you are currently in the midst of conflict. And right now, it seems that we're really in a divisive time in terms of our society and kind of where everybody is at with certain hot topics going on. So what better time to discuss what your conflict management style is? And I'm also going to be sharing at the end of this episode some conflict resolution skills that you can put into practice to help better resolve conflict in a more effective way or just in a in a positive way. There is such an art to skillfully managing conflict. I don't know if you've ever met someone who you bear witness to somebody else kind of coming at them in a very negative manner, yet the person is able to receive it, not take the bait, and respond in a way that is just very confident collected. It's really, you know, it's really an artful experience. And so hopefully after listening today, you'll better be in touch with the five different conflict management styles, which was a theory developed by a gentleman named Thomas Kilman conflict mode instrument, but Thomas Kilman, he was the individual who came up with the management styles. The reason I'm sharing that, and you know, it's something that's not really talked about a whole lot, but I think it's really important to understand, how do I manage conflict? How do I react? Am I more avoidant? Do I... Am I overly accommodating so then I don't ever get my needs met? Am I a competer, which is one of the five management styles you will hear more in depth about where it's all my way or the highway? Or maybe you know someone with one of these conflict management styles. And after hearing this today, you can give them some strategies or even refer them to the podcast. So Before I get into these five management styles, I did really briefly want to pull a couple really important tidbits from helpguide.org's article, Communication and Conflict Resolution Skills. I think I'm actually going to link this to the show notes because it's such a great, comprehensive, tangible resource for you to read over and just have as something to reflect upon or look back on. But they shared some great information. And also, I, I want to go ahead and kick this off with what, you know, is kind of conflict 101, just to normalize first and foremost. Conflict is really a part of everyday life. It's a part of every relationship that really exist, whether it's platonic, whether it's romantic, a colleague, it doesn't matter how long you've known someone, conflict will always come up. So if you feel like maybe, now there is unhealthy conflict, let me go ahead and put that out there, but if you feel like you're in 
a marriage that occasionally has arguments and yet some of your friends never share that they have conflict, sometimes it can cause you to kind of second guess yourself, second guess the relationship and think, gosh, what's wrong with us? But Conflict is healthy in many ways. Conflict is, you know, that word normal. It can be kind of taboo sometimes, but conflict really is normal. It's a part of relationship. It's in how we navigate and manage conflict that can sometimes take it to that really unhealthy place. So, you know, the the typical, if there's name calling, of course, any kind of abusive actions, you know, slamming doors, punching holes in walls, things of that nature in the midst of conflict or the use of intimidation that really turns something that is a part of relationships into a very unhealthy part of the relationship. So aside from relationships that are fraught with abusive behaviors, we know that everyday conflict will come up. And it's because, you know, the the main reason, we're all different. It doesn't matter if it's a mother-daughter conflict or, you know, a mother-son conflict, father-daughter conflict. Truly, at the end of the day, we're all different people. We all have our different tastes, our different preferences. And so even if the conflict is amongst your family, even family is not identical. And you're probably listening in. Maybe you're even nodding your head because you, you probably already know that. But I just have to normalize that because there can be a lot of second guessing. You know, I, I know last time, last podcast episode, I talked all about social media and creating a healthy relationship and having that realization that sometimes social media can be the highlight reel and people are just putting on everything that's positive and these happy family pictures. And so if you have, if you're even in the midst of conflict, especially with the holidays coming up, if you know, whatever your belief systems are, whatever you celebrate, you may almost even be anticipating conflict to come up over something. It can be something small, something big, but you may not have a lot of people who are verbalizing that they too have conflict in their relationship and in their family. So got to normalize. It will come up and it will happen. We do know though when conflict isn't managed correctly, it can cause some really just some harm to the overall relationship. But when it's handled in that positive, respectful, proactive manner, it can even, it can strengthen the relationship. So a couple other key statements when it comes to conflict I just want to put out there is that if ignored, conflicts will continue to fester and grow if left unattended. I really want you to take that away from today, especially if you have the avoidant conflict management style where you want to avoid conflict at all costs. Just because you're choosing or maybe your comfortability zone is to be passive and you're being passive over and over again, I'm not going to say anything to them because I just hate confrontation and I hate conflict. It doesn't mean the conflict is magically going to go away. Conflicts will always fester if ignored. And that's why sometimes you see couples who you thought were just in a great place end up 
ending the marriage or ending the relationship and it comes as a big surprise to you because you think, gosh, I didn't even realize they had any problems. Or the passive person in the marriage or relationship all of a sudden, after being passive for so long, finally says, you know what? I can't do it anymore. And their way is to do the ultimate avoidant act, and that's to end the marriage without trying to work through some of the conflicts. So that's just some examples that come to my mind right now. But the main point is conflicts will continue to fester if left ignored. The next statement when it comes to kind of the basics of conflicts are that oftentimes conflicts are based upon our perceptions of a situation. Not always necessarily the objective, true review of the facts. And then you throw in, pepper in a little bit of emotions and our perception can really go to I don't want to say a wrong place, but it can maybe be go to a skewed place. We know that our perceptions are also influenced by our previous life experiences, our values, our belief systems, what was really instilled in us as a child, the things that we've learned. But our perceptions can even change based upon how we're feeling in the here and now. So If you had an extremely stressful day at work, your perception going home into the house or if you're working from home, leaving that home office can be one where you're perceiving everything is really gloom and doom. And then somebody comes up to you and says something and your perception of what they say is really that they're out to get you when maybe they were just saying, okay, what are we having for dinner? you know, or something of that nature. And I laugh, but it, it, it is something that can really creep up and it's part of our human nature. So I never want anybody to beat themselves up if that applies to you. But it's just something to know that whatever your stress level is at that current time, your perception can directly be affected. But then on the deeper side of things, perception also has to do with our culture, our life experiences, those deep core values that we have and our belief system. And this is probably why a lot of times we're seeing a lot of this division. Um, You know, some of the things that people are arguing over, they are in direct, the other person is, they feel they're directly violating their current value system, belief system, their own life experiences, et cetera. So I think that that's always an interesting piece to to keep in mind. This one goes without saying, but I have to put it out there. Conflicts will and sometimes do trigger very intense and strong emotions. Now here's, here's the flip side of this. We know that conflict can trigger anger. It can trigger intense sadness. If you are not fully comfortable with your emotions, or perhaps you come from a family where emotions were deemed as negative, or you shouldn't be upset about that. Why do you feel like that about that? Just let it go. It's not a big deal. Then it is going to potentially make it a little more difficult for you to manage your emotions in times of stress, which therefore affects your ability to resolve conflict successfully. So conflict management, conflict resolution, it is so multi-layered. Just, you know, as you probably know already and then just based upon listening to Living Freely, anything dealing with psychology, there is always 
there in mental health, it is multi-layered. There are so many different aspects of whatever the situation has going on. Conflict is one of them. So you've got the conflict, but then you've also got the emotional side of things. And being comfortable with your emotions is always going to serve you well in terms of being able to better navigate conflict. If you can identify okay, wow, that really just got under my skin. I feel myself, you know, almost the temperature rising. I feel very upset, very angry right now. If you're able to recognize that, then you're better able to slap some coping skills on top of that anger, kind of deal with it in the moment and express yourself in a way that could potentially be received better than if you, you know, let the anger get the best of you. Because that's when in conflicts, sometimes people say things that you don't mean or do things that you don't mean. So we know without saying conflict will trigger those intense or strong heated emotions. Last but not least, the thing I want to share and call me Pollyanna, call me, you know, an eternal optimist, but which I'm, I'm really not, but this statement may sound like it, conflicts truly are an opportunity for growth. If we can always learn from how we handled a conflict, how we navigated that difficult conflict, when you get done experiencing any kind of conflict in any relationship, I always encourage you to take a quick pause and just self-assess what can I learn from this? If you didn't handle it well, instead of shaming yourself or beating yourself up, it's almost turning that into, okay, what can I learn differently moving forward next time? How can I better express myself? Do I need to go apologize? What can I do that will aid in building this relationship versus potentially tearing it down? And in most healthy relationships, whether, and I guess in this moment, I'm referring to friendships, but also romantic relationships. When I speak with people and they tell me, you know, we've had this conflict, but we were actually able to move through it and talk through it. And now we feel stronger. We feel more intact. And that's the beauty of positive conflict management and conflict resolution is that it actually can build trust. It can build a very solid relationship, a solid foundation. This even goes into a business or company or team situation because there has to be the trust in any relationship for it to thrive. And even amongst team members, uh, colleagues, workplace, if there's been a rupture or a conflict or a major division, being able to resolve that, it can really bring a team closer together and cause an even better working relationship and working environment. So. That's the intro in terms of kind of the what Help Guide calls Conflict 101 that I put a little bit of a spin on in terms of sharing these caveat statements to introduce us to the five conflict management styles. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but there are five. And as I was saying, this was created by the gentleman Thomas Kilman. So Kilman tells us that Some of these conflict resolution styles are a little bit more adaptive, a little bit more positive than others, as you can imagine. I want to go ahead and kick this off by starting with the avoiding style of conflict management because I find that this one 
mainly in the work that I do, clinical work, I find that this is very ever-present. And so I want to give a little bit of attention to it right from the get-go. Avoidance style is exactly what it is. It is somebody who really at all costs tries to avoid conflict and typically falls on that spectrum of being or struggling with being unassertive and almost trying to sidestep an issue or even remove themselves from a threatening, what they consider to be potentially threatening situation. So I think about you have the family gathering, it gets heated, and you've got that one family member. You never know where, let's say Tommy, you never know where Tommy goes, but Tommy's out of there. He's not going to sit around and he's going to avoid the conflict at all costs. And so avoidance style is only effective for so long because we all know that we can only avoid something for a period of time until the emotional component of things catches up with us and it boils over. It boils over to the surface. And so if this resonates with you, if you notice that in terms of avoiding that you struggle with assertively pursuing what you want to see happen in a situation or you just kind of downplay your own thoughts and just say to yourself, okay, it's really not a big deal. I'll just, I'm not going to say anything. And also I hate confrontation, so I'm definitely not going to say anything. Then it's something to take note of because as I was saying, after a period of time, it can eventually kind of catch up with, with you. And that's when, you know, the relationship can suffer. All that avoidance only all that avoidance can really just breed eventual resentment and discontentment. So the next style I'll share is kind of the exact opposite of avoidant communication or avoidant conflict management style, and that's the competing style. So I'll go ahead and just set the stage for this one. I'll apply it to, you know, it could be a workplace or a family member. It's the individual who... They kind of have that attitude, it's my way or the highway. I I want to say what I want to say. I'm going to win this argument no matter what you say. And the other person involved almost feels disempowered. So the person in the competing style often uses high, high levels of assertion and potentially even aggressive type communication and is often considered to be very uncooperative not willing to pursue someone else's own concerns because they want to keep it all about them. And I think about the competing style. One of the other really good examples I can, I can that comes to mind is the competing style can be, honestly, can be kind of effective in certain situations, especially in certain career occupations. So I think about two lawyers on two opposing counsels. Well, of course, they're going to immediately go in a competing style because they don't care if they burn a bridge with the other counsel because they want to win the case. And so competing style can be effective if you don't really care what will happen to the relationship. Competing style is not always going to be the most effective, as you can imagine, in our friendships, in our romantic relationships. Instead, we want to try to always have the collaborating style, which is the next conflict management style. The collaborating style is a combo of being very assertive and, but yet also very cooperative. 
So when folks try to collaborate, they attempt to work with each other to identify a solution that really satisfies almost every person involved's concerns. So this style, which is really, again, it's the opposite of avoiding, it's the opposite of competing. Both sides are trying to work together to get what they want so that negative feelings are minimized. And that's that's why I really enjoy therapy because ultimately a good therapist is collaborative. They're not talking at a client. They're working with them to find a solution that feels really good for the client. And so this involves, of course, as I you know, already mentioned, assertive communication. You got to be comfortable with your emotions. And then also you must be very comfortable with self-expression, with owning how you feel about something, but also being willing to listen to the other person. And oftentimes collaborating style will work best when it's a long-term relationship and the outcome, so the relationship staying intact, is of utmost concern. So I see this in long-term friendships, in marriages, long-term relationships. So planning to planning a life together, there's got to be some collaboration. So if this is absent in your current relationship, this is definitely something to keep in mind because it might, you know, might be a bit of a red flag. So moving on from collaborating style, the other proactive style is compromising style. So compromising is somewhat similar to collaboration, but as we all know, compromising involves give and take. So one person may give a little bit more in the conflict while the other person takes. And it should never be one person constantly giving in all the time, the other person always taking. It should be kind of an exchange. So maybe one time I think about the example – you know, and this may sound kind of silly, but I know that this frequently happens. You want to go out to dinner, but you can't decide where you want to eat. And your partner says, well, what do you want to eat tonight? And you say, I don't know. And they say, okay, why don't we go get Italian? And you say, well, I don't want Italian. They say, okay, well, why don't we just go get sushi? And and finally you say, okay, that's fine. We'll just do that. I don't really care. We'll just do that. Or the other person says, I don't really care. For the sake of just eating dinner, it's not a huge deal what happens. I'm just going to let this one go. We'll go eat. Then boom, compromise happens. This style is often best to use when ultimately the outcome is not the most, most crucial. And by continuing to argue, you're just going to lose time. So if you want to make a decision and move on to something that feels more important and you're willing to give a little to get that decision made, that's when compromising can come really in handy. So this is this one's particularly important, especially if you are in, like I was saying, that long-term relationship and staying in that relationship is important. I'm not saying to always put your needs aside or anything of that nature, but sometimes it's good just to give in, okay, we'll go eat here or okay, fine, we will paint the front door this color, you know, whatever the case could be. I'm just trying to think these are little examples just rolling off the top of off my head. Last but not least, the final conflict management style is 
the accommodating style. Again, this one is the opposite of the competing style. There's almost this element of self-sacrifice when you are in this accommodating conflict management style where you are going over and beyond to satisfy the other person. Almost putting your own needs aside to the point where it feels detrimental. This is where I think about the person who self-identifies as a people pleaser. Accommodating style may seem really giving, really generous, but if you're with somebody or, you know, yeah, if you're with somebody who has more of that competing style, my way or the highway, and your style is accommodating, then you can start to feel like somebody else is really taking advantage of you. And then, of course, this can cause that resentment to build up. So you can use accommodating styles if you really don't care a lot about the outcome, but you want to continue to build a relationship. But this is not something that's going to be positive for your relationship long time because long term, because ultimately it requires you to just totally give in. And so, like I said, there's a place and a time to just give in. It's not a big deal. You know, we'll we'll run this errand first and then we'll go do that. But when it comes to the bigger things that are really meaningful to you, this is when accommodating style, before you know it, it can really, if you're always giving into somebody else and trying to constantly avoid conflict, it can honestly take you away from who you really are as a person. It can cause you to kind of forget what your needs are. So that's why in any kind of conflict, it almost always leads back to this really in life in general. Always it's so important to know who you are, what's really important to you, what are your non-negotiables in life, what are the things that you're willing to compromise are, where are you willing to accommodate someone else, are you avoidant, is that your personality type? So really identifying these facets of who you are will always be super important and also aid in conflict resolution. So let's get right on into conflict resolution skills because I definitely want to skill you up for today. In terms of being able to successfully resolve conflicts, I'm jumping right on back to helpguide.org. Again, I will link this because it's really a great article. Um, They shared a couple great strategies and then I'll share uh, several more. But some of the ways to really successfully resolve conflict ultimately will depend on your ability to control those emotions, control your behavior. So it requires that emotional management. So when you're in control of your emotional state, then you can communicate your needs without threatening, intimidating, or even hurting others, punishing others with your words. You know, I think about if you grew up in a family of origin where your family member had a difficult time controlling their emotions and maybe they really, quote unquote, flew off the handle and became really loud, screamed at you, called you names, then this is this is where the ability to successfully resolve conflict probably wasn't very successful. It may have resulted in you cowering away, trying not to say anything. Maybe you picked up, okay, this is how I argue. This is how we manage conflict. 
But controlling your emotions and behavior is definitely a huge piece of successfully resolving conflict, as is being able to manage stressful situations, manage your own stress quickly while also remaining alert and calm. So this is this one can be difficult. Again, this is definitely an art form in a way where, you know, I don't know if you've ever met somebody who manages stress or does really well under pressure. They've learned how to do that. And I'm sure that that did not happen overnight. There were probably a series of life events that happened, or maybe they have a personality type that's prone to that. I think about our, you know, emergency department workers, uh, our people on the front lines in, you know, the pandemic right now. I also think about people in the military, you know, the SEAL teams, people of that nature who have really had to learn how to manage that stress in a very quick way while also remaining calm because they know that their decisions that they make during that stressful time will certainly have an impact. So, but in conflict, staying calm, you're able to better interpret what's going on in the situation. And you can understand a little bit more clearly, what is this other person saying to me? You know, instead of allowing yourself to go straight to that anger response, you're deep breathing, you're figuring out, okay, what's my next move going to be? And it can be much more effective. Being able to successfully resolve conflict also involves being aware of and respecting differences. I feel like this one is really important in the time period that we're currently in. You don't have to agree with everyone, and I certainly don't. I don't think anybody agrees 100% with anyone, everyone and anyone else. But being aware of, okay, not everybody's going to think the way I am. I'm going to respect the difference. And in terms of respecting differences, I always think about not using shaming language, not using inflammatory language when you're in a conflict with someone else. You know, I think about just scrolling on social media and coming across these arguments where, you know, people are arguing about kind of hot topics going on right now. In some of the language, it's not um, it's not necessarily a compromising or collaborating approach. It's more of that competing approach. And it's interesting to read. I don't know if this has happened for you, but just to see on my own personal social media, oftentimes there's no resolution. It kind of just ends in one person having to be, you know, just ending the conversation or being blocked or getting really upset, whatever the case can be. And so being aware of and respecting differences, to me, you're better able to plant a seed in somebody else, a seed of knowledge, if you manage the stress of the situation, stay calm, but also understand, okay, we've got some differences here. I may not change this person's mind. I'm going to respect that. I'll just share respectfully my opinion and then keep it moving forward. So... Some of the tried and true conflict resolution strategies that I just want to share with you today are a couple that I have found can be very effective in the midst of confrontation. The first piece is to make conflict resolution the ultimate priority of the situation rather than the priority being placed on you feeling as if you've won or feeling as if I'm right, you're wrong. I won this argument, you didn't. 
When we kind of take that stance of, oh, I'm going to win this. I am not going to stop until my point is put out there and it's agreed with. It often can set us up for failure or it can make, you know, the relationship kind of get a little bit shaky. And especially if it's your romantic relationship, that's where definitely that collaborative approach will always be beneficial. But maintaining and strengthening a relationship rather than being focused on winning that argument is always, it should be always a top priority. And it just demonstrates respect for the other person, their viewpoint, their thoughts. Even if you don't agree with them, I I think about even, you know, a parent of a teenager where you just are not happy with your son or daughter. They are, you know, talking about something that you completely disagree with. Instead of, you know, trying to dismiss what they're saying and and try to be right. You're almost listening objectively, sharing your side of things. It's a much more effective approach and also kind of helps to tell that other person, your son, your daughter, or your coworker, that it's okay to have differing opinions. You're there. You're going to respect them. Um, and that conflict isn't about winning or always being right. This next tip is something that's vitally important in any relationship, but especially for romantic relationships. And that is in the heat of the moment, make sure that you're focusing on the present grievance. If you're in conflict with someone and you're bringing up something that's come up that that the other person thought had already been resolved years ago, and you're bringing it up and throwing it back into the mix, it does nothing to resolve the present issue that's happening. I've noticed that this can happen in terms of throwing in other things from the past if those past things have not been resolved or if potentially you may be holding on to a little or big grudge regarding something that happened a while ago. So this kind of steers when we don't focus on the present moment, the present issue, it kind of steers the conflict somewhere else. And so what's presently happening never really fully gets dealt with. So focus on that present event, that present situation. We've heard this one so many times before, but it's so important and it kind of goes right into that compromising, collaborating style. It's okay to pick your battles. Conflicts, as I'm sure you know, can be extremely emotionally draining. They can really take it out of us, especially if before we know it, we're trying to win, we're trying to be right, then a lot of that energy can be put into it. So it's really important to consider is this issue really worth my time and energy or do I just let it go? I always go back to that question. Am I going to be focused on this in five years or will it even matter? Now, if you are going to be focused on it, if it's going to be severely detrimental, whatever's happening to your relationship, to your, you know, something with your child, then yes, then that may be a battle that you want to pick to, you know, I hate to say the word fight, but that may be a battle that you want to attend to. Let's say that. But on these little everyday grievances, if you will, 
pick your battles. And I know that stress levels are so high right now. Anxiety is high. Depression is very high. We have so much going on in our world that I want for you to own your precious time and energy in a way that feels uplifting for you. So if you need to, or if it feels better for you to say, you know what? I'm going to just let it go. I'm not going to waste my time or energy on this. Be empowered to do that. It's not a cop-out. It's it's preserving your peace and your energy. So that one's a that's a huge one. Now, the next one kind of goes into it, but ultimately, I want you to know when it's time to let something go. If you can't come to a compromise, if you can't come to a total agreement with someone on something, Some people do say that this is a cop-out. I disagree. I think it's important to agree to disagree. So I'm agreeing to disagree with the fact that it's okay to know when to let something go, to know when you want to agree to disagree with a situation. It always takes more than one person to keep that argument going. And if you notice that the conflict is just, it's not going anywhere. Instead, you're ruminating on something. It's now been hours. Maybe it's been a couple days and it's not getting better. Then you are allowed always to disengage and move on from the situation. Once again, it goes back to picking and choosing where your time and energy are going to. Now, when it comes to romantic relationships, if, you know, in terms of knowing when to let something go, If you're finding that you're always having to let something go and your partner's never taking responsibility for their actions or their behaviors, this can be problematic. I feel like this could be a whole other, excuse me, podcast episode, but I did want to, I did want to bring that up that it's okay to let something go. You can agree to disagree, but if this is an ongoing situation where you're constantly having to let everything go, then it's time to potentially start talking to somebody in terms of therapy, kind of flush out what's happening here because for conflict to be resolved and even to have a healthy relationship, there has to be responsibility taken for actions. We know that and responsibility for behavior. So I know I kind of went a little sideways on that one, but it is important to know when to let something go. But if it's happening too often, we need to examine the relationship. Okay, so another strategy is to listen for what is felt in the moment as well as what is being said. This is something that therapists are trained on extensively. I know my program definitely talked about this. We're picking up on cues when we meet with someone. And so, you know, if somebody, if we observe, okay, I see, I see that that is, I see you're getting upset right now, or I can see that the tears are coming. What's bringing on the emotion? And so we're trained to kind of ask these questions to listen for, listen and watch for what is felt. But you can also do this too. So when you really listen to someone, you do connect so much more deeply to that person. And in turn, you also learn more about yourself and your ability to be empathetic and to pick up on the needs and emotions of yourself and on others. And listening for what is felt often means, you know, sometimes people say reading the room, so to speak. 
So you're kind of picking up on the energy of that other person. I'm not asking you to be a mind reader by any means. But oftentimes if somebody's upset or they're nervous or they're anxious, you can typically feel it. And so sometimes conflict management is noticing that, pointing it out. And it also helps the other person to feel heard. Listening for literally to what is being said also strengthens and can make it others for uh, and make it easier for other people to hear you when it's your turn to speak. If you're the person who you're in the midst of conflict, you're literally just waiting for that other person to be quiet because you've already got what you're going to say on your mind, on the tip of your tongue, you're going to say it. This is where I want you to practice really staying present and really listening to what that other person is saying. You can always circle back to an issue and try to resolve it if need be. So I hope that these conflict resolution tips have been very helpful for you. They're kind of the emotional side of conflict resolution. The one other conflict resolution piece that I will share, this has been researched time and time again. You will hear me reference the Gottman Method, G-O-T-T-M-A-N. In fact, I think I already have in season three because they influence so much of what I do and so much of what I practice. The Gottmans performed research with couples on how they manage conflict and found that in when conflict becomes heated, your body almost physiologically starts to shut down and nothing is resolved because you're in a heightened, hyperactivated state. Your amygdala, which is our emotional and threat detection center of the brain, it's firing on all cylinders and it really prevents you from utilizing your prefrontal cortex. We're getting into a little bit of neuroscience here. Prefrontal cortex more so manages your thoughts. But when you're hyperactivated, you're you're really upset, it starts to kind of fi- – the brain starts misfiring almost. That's a poor way of saying it. But the brain really starts to not be able to communicate in the clearest way. So the Gottmans found that giving yourself a 20-minute break – and it requires somebody to speak up and say, look, I'm starting to feel really escalated right now. I need my 20 minutes. But it took 20 minutes for an individual to physiologically come back down to their baseline level of functioning. So I want you to use that. If you find that in your relationships, there can be some heated arguments and you find that both of you are maybe saying things that you don't mean, you're just getting louder and louder and you don't feel like the conflict is going anywhere Talk to your partner about this in a calm state whenever, you know, you guys aren't arguing and and potentially point out to them, hey, in the heat of the moment, maybe we can each take a break, a 20-minute break, let ourselves kind of de-escalate and calm down, and then let's come back and resolve the situation. That's the key and final piece. There has to be the coming back together for the resolution to hopefully occur. So... As I've said, conflict is a part of life, especially right now. It's not something that necessarily will will go away, but I hope that by listening to this episode today, you feel empowered to know exactly what your conflict management style is, which can inform you on maybe areas that you can continue to work upon, but then also have some skills in terms of managing the conflict and finding those ways to 
know how to make the conflict resolution the priority versus focusing on winning or being right, staying focused on the present, picking and choosing those battles, all of that good stuff that you may have heard before, but I hope today was a good reinforcement. Or if you weren't familiar with the techniques, I hope that they have been helpful. As always, I am so glad that you are here. I'm so happy to be back with season three. We're looking forward to kicking this season off with so many great topics and episodes. I will see you next week, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. As always, be well. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Living Freely Podcast today. As always, the information in this episode is not intended to diagnose or treat. It is highly recommended to find a provider in your area or by going to www.psychologytoday.com to find a therapist in your area. If you have enjoyed this episode, please don't hesitate to rate and review our podcast, especially on Apple Podcasts, so that we are able to be seen by more people wanting to get information on mental health and wellness. Thanks so much again for tuning in. We'll look forward to seeing you next week for an all new episode. Be well.